um, you're great, and you love us, and that's amazing. You're so great that you created everything that we see and we don't see. You did breathe the breath of life into us because you wanted us, and you have cared for us this whole time despite everything that has happened, and you have brought us to yourself. And God, we adore you. You're worthy. Help us right now to understand what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. And um, we're going to talk about Jesus, our high priest, and um, it's not talking about the priests in Catholicism. It's talking about um, Jesus as our high priest, and that's one thing that he really is. Right now, he is our high priest, and the high priest was so important in the Old Testament, was so important to Israel because only the high priest once a year could go into the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God was. And he took blood in there that he had uh, uh, from, a, from a bullock that he had sacrificed, and he took blood in there for himself because he, as a high priest, was still a man. But he had been called by God to represent the people before God and to represent God before the people. And they had to have that because nobody could go into where the presence of God was in the Old Testament. Nobody could go in there. You would die. You, like, you wouldn't survive going in there. And so he went in there once a year. This is God set this up. He went in there once a year with the blood of a bullock for the, his own sins and then the sins of his family. And then there were two goats and one he sacrificed and took blood in there for the sins of the people. The other goat was called the scapegoat and it was led out into the wilderness with a red cloth tied on its horn symbolizing um, the sins of the people are on that goat, and that, and they're being removed away from the people. And the sins were of the people. All the people were cleansed for one year. Well, Jesus is our high priest, but he's perfect because he is the God Man, and so he is doing that right now, representing us before God, because you, don't, you come to God through Jesus Christ. He's representing us before God, and he represents God to us. He's right there. He took his own blood because he was the sacrifice. He was the lamb that God said, that Abraham had said long, long ago on Mount Moriah, when he was called to sacrifice his son Isaac, uh, which is an interesting thing, knowing that murder is a sin, but take your son, your only son, and take him up there and sacrifice him. And so he does all that, and he shows that he's obedient to God. He does all that. Isaac is laying, Isaac is, a, is a, almost a grown man. He's laying on the altar. I saw um, one movie of it, and it was so, a line in the movie, I always remember Isaac said, said tie the, tie the ropes really tight, dad, tie them really tight, because, you know, he, he puts him on the altar, and then there was a ram caught in the thicket. He had told Isaac on the way up that mountain, God will provide. 
God will provide the sacrifice. He had told him, God will provide the sacrifice. Well, God did provide the sacrifice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he provided that sacrifice in Jesus Christ. And Jesus shed his blood He, in the bearing of our sin, because the life of the flesh is in the blood. Jesus lifeblood poured out of him as he bore our sin and that blood washed us completely clean and that blood is in heaven right now jesus took it into heaven it's there right now on the mercy seat god sees it there and it speaks better things concerning us because we're in the new covenant so let's go to hebrews chapter 5 Verse 1, and this tells about Jesus as our high priest. And it says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the misguided since he himself also is beset with weakness. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins as for the people, so also for himself. And no one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest. But he said, he who said to him, you are my son today, I have begotten you. Just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. My Bible says it's reverent submission. That's what that means. He was reverently submitted to God. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. And this, this verse 1 connects Hebrews 4.15 and 16 to it. So let's read that. Jesus as high priest does what the earthly high priest did. He offers both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now look at Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Oh, that's so good. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He is not trying to beat us up, tear us down, uh, anything like that. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. But one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin, therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our Savior, brother, Redeemer, High Priest is seated at our Father's right hand at the throne of grace. When we need help, that is where we boldly go. He can sympathize with us. He knows what it is like to live in this fallen world in human flesh. He knows exactly what it's like. 
Jesus lived here and bore the common sufferings of our humanity. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He got tired. He suffered from the ingratitude of people. I mean, you're just trying to do something nice for somebody, and they don't appreciate it. And then as a human being, you think, well, it'll be a long time before I ever do something nice for them again. That's humanness. He suffered the slanders of his enemies. You know, you, you slander, slandering someone is such a serious offense that you can take them to court over it. Yet every person in here, I'm sure, has been slandered. Jesus suffered that. Betrayal. What about getting stabbed right in the back? Like, you don't see that coming at all. And evil plotting against him. Defamation of character. All those things. Jesus suffered those things here and more. But Jesus, now listen, Jesus not only knows everything that has happened to you, Jesus not only knows everything that has happened to you, but he knows what it is like to be you. He knows when that happened to you. Oh, that, that's happened before. Oh, this keeps happening. Well, is Satan trying to destroy your life? Trying to destroy you. He knows what that is like. He is so intimately acquainted with you and so knowledgeable about what it's like to be here in a fallen world in human flesh that he can un totally understand. And he really, really cares. The Bible uses the word sympathize, he sympathizes. So, um, let's read verse 7 in chapter 5 again. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission to God. In the days of his flesh, he suffered intensely, and he prayed with fervor. He placed himself in a situation where he learned subjection and obedience by his trials. He had to be here to die for us, but he also had to be here to sympathize with us. It was all part of God's plan. And it says he offered up prayers, and those prayers are petitions that are arising from a sense of need. That's a good time to pray. When you have a sense of need, it's a good time to pray. Because God cares and he hears. And then supplications, that's, oh, God, protect me, shelter me, help me. And then it says strong crying, a cry for help from one who is in deep distress or danger. A cry for help. Jesus did that when he was here. And then tears. Our Savior, when he was here, cried. He cried. He wept at Lazarus' tomb. He wept over Jerusalem because he saw that who he came to save was not going to come to him. 
He wanted to gather them, but they wouldn't. The Bible says, and he cried. Those, those were real tears felt from the heart of Jesus. He may have wept in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was sweating drops of blood. And it says that this, these prayers and petitions, loud crying and tears to the one able to save him, only God. Only God. When we get in trouble, um, sometimes it's our human tendency to look to someone else, but God is the one that can help us. God is the one who can help us. Even if he uses another person, it's God. He's setting it up because he loves us. And he can talk to somebody on your behalf. He can really do that. He can talk to somebody on your behalf, and then they can come and help you. And you think, it's a, no, it's God. Whenever I get the help that I need in another, it's coming from someone here on earth's hand. I, I know it's God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And so in his greatest trial, in taking our sin on himself, think about this, in being separated from his father. And his father, so if he's separated from his father, his father is separated from him, but they, they were never, ever wanted that. I, I mean, what a, what a huge thing. He was separated from God, and God separated from him. So you and me will never, ever, ever be separated from God, ever. Nothing can separate us from God. Nothing can separate us from his love. If you want to read about it, it's so good. It's at the end of Romans 8. And he was being punished for the penalty of our sin. And he addressed his prayer to God, the sovereign of life and death. And he was heard, again, because of his reverent submission, and God's answer was victory over the dread of it and support in drinking it. So he... God couldn't because Jesus, Jesus' heart was, I want to do your will. I mean, I know this is going to be hard. I know I'm going to have to have help, God. I'm going to have to have help from you, but I want to do your will more than anything. I want your will. And so he was willing to do that. And I want to be at the place where whatever God tells me to do, I'm willing to do that all the time, not miss one thing that God would have me do at all the time. That's what I want for my life, even though I can get so sidetracked <laughs> with all different kinds of things. The Bible tells us what kind of things sidetrack believers and cause us to go astray. But I don't want to do that. I want to be like Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith. And so um, it says that Jesus, well, let me, let me just uh, talk about this. Jesus faced much more than death because that would have been the easy part. Even though I'm not saying that death is easy, his divine humanity and sinless life would become sin. 
the Godhead bowed to endure a stroke to which man's apostasy made it necessary. How large was the force of evil in God's creation that made necessary such an infinite sacrifice? It was the endurance by the perfectly guiltless of the worst malice which human hatred could devise. It was to experience in the bosom of perfect innocence and perfect love all that was detestable in human ingratitude, all that was pestilent in human hypocrisy, and all that was cruel in human rage. This author says this, it was to brave the last triumph of satanic spite and fury uniting against his lonely head all the flaming arrows of Jewish falsity and heathen corruption, the concentrated wrath of the rich and respectable, the yelling fury of the blind and brutal mob. It was to feel that his own, to whom he came, loved darkness rather than light, that the race of the chosen people could be wholly absorbed in one insane repulsion against infinite goodness and purity and love. Thank you, God, for doing that for us. So, helping, God's help. Oh, hallelujah, for God's help. Turn to Psalm 22. And Jesus knew this as he went just like I know some things in the Bible that I'm supposed to do, but yet have to do them, have not done them yet. Like um, ministering healing more to people, deliverance more, helping the brokenhearted be healed. I know that I'm not, I haven't reached what God has for me to do in that. And he's not going to, you know, oh, God, let me do something else. Because this is too hard. And you know about all the questions about that and all the worldly thinking about that and even believers in different denominations thinking about that. And it would kind of be easier not to be called to do that. It would be easier. Now, that's not the path God has for believers because there's such glory when we obey him. It's like God manifesting himself through human flesh. These vessels of honor that have glory on the inside of them, these temples of God that are walking around with God inside of them. Like, what are we doing uh, with this, this God on the inside of us? I know that, that I personally am supposed to be doing more. I know that. Oh, Jesus, thank you for helping us. So here was his help because he didn't take that trial away. He couldn't. Verse Psalm 22, verse 22. <laughs> yeah, this is Jesus, what he knew would happen. Glory to God. I will tell of your name to my brethren. I mean, he's going to be crucified. He's going to have the whole sin of the whole world on him. He's going to die with that sin on him. No one can rise from the dead with all the sin of the whole world on them unless Holy Spirit does it in Jesus Christ because of who he is. Ah. 
Okay, verse 22. I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. That's what I'm going to do. He says, verse 9. Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust when upon my mother's breast. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Oh, glory to God. So, so um, however, Jesus knew his father. Jesus knew God. He knew him, and he knew what the outcome was going to be. Who, however long you've been trusting God, hasn't he come through for you every time up to this point? Every single time, and he will never. If he asks you to do something that's really hard, but he's asking you to do it, well, you need, you need to go to the throne of grace to find that help. But you need to just go, God, help me. Help me. Help me in, in my hesitation, in my getting sidetracked, in my, all my distractions. God, help me. And then look at verse 24. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. Oh, glory. When he cried to him for help, he heard. And then if you read that whole rest of that verse, you know what it ends with? It ends with... Um, 29 let's look it's also good all the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship all those who go down to the dust will bow before him even he who cannot keep his soul alive posterity will serve him it will be told of the lord to the coming generation well that's happening right now isn't it it will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. And that was way back when that happened. And now look, here we are in 2019. And it's still happening. Glory, glory to God. And so I want to talk to you about our high priest and going boldly to the throne of grace again because of our high priest. And we read it in Hebrews 4, 15, that he sympathizes with us. Now, right now, because of the Spirit of God, he's taking my words and making them real to your heart. Right now, he's doing that. Because he wants you to have this opportunity right now. And to have this opportunity right now and then continue to live in it and make it a practice in your life of going to the throne of grace boldly with confidence to the throne a throne is the seat of a sovereign we go to the throne of God himself. There's no one higher. No one ever will usurp him. No one ever will take his place, ever. It's a throne of grace. It represents a sovereign seated to dispense mercy, pardon, and grace. Is that the idea that you have about God when you go boldly before his throne? God, I'm here because you want to dispense this mercy and this grace to me. You want to help me. Is that how you go? That mercy includes compassion. There's such compassion. Grace. 
favor is favor and strength, help and counsel, direction and support for the things that we must do for the trials of life, for temptations, for when we find in ourselves lukewarmness, hypocrisy, pride, selfishness, discontent, unforgiveness. That's all in us at different times. I, even as believers, it's called sin. When we are called to do the impossible, something that, we, that will be opposed, something we fear, there is our help. Now, I'm going to talk to you about um, two different extremes that I have seen. And one, on one extreme is the people who say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And... You were a sinner that was saved by grace, and you still sin, but there, it's like they're saying that so like, okay, I'm a sinner saved by grace, and so this is what it is. I mean, I sin, yeah, 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 but there's grace. And they're not trying to have that reverent submission to the Father, where the Father provided us to have Christ be formed in us. And so... I, and as you, as you read the word, you find out more and more things that are sin. As, I, as the word divides our heart our, from joints and marrow and whatever we read two weeks ago, I find attitudes, my attitude can be a sin against God. Uh, I find those things. So I find I am a believer who sins? And then there's the other, other place, the other extreme. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not, you know, and I don't sin. Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And they could nary ever admit that they sin. Well, I think that we should, right now today, just stick with the Bible. Just stick with it. Because I find some things in my own self that I know are sin, even though I don't want them there. And it, but if God never teaches me and disciplines me, because if God's not disciplining you, guess what? You're not a son. The Bible says that. If you're not getting disciplined, you are not a son. And so we've got to rightly divide the words. So let's, before we come to the communion table where every, every person is welcome here, uh, turn to 1 John 1. And we'll look at verse 7. If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we sin. And we have godly sorrow over it. But we're not condemned. We are not condemned. 
We don't do penance because any penance that you do is not going to get rid of that sin, that stain. It's not going to do it. We are not hiding from God, which is the tendency. It has to be the tendency of human beings to hide from God because Adam and Eve did it when they sinned. They went and hid from God, and he had to come find them. Hey, where are you? And um, we, we hide from him, and we can hide from him behind our own self-righteousness and, oh, I'm gonna, God, I'm going to do better. I'm going to work this out, and then I'm going to come to you. That is backwards because you can't do it. You can't do anything without God. And so you're not trying to get cleaned up first. So when God's word shows us who are the righteousness of God in Christ. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When we see that there's unrighteousness there, somewhere in us, a wrong attitude. Oh, I, I was short with somebody. I, I said something, and my motive was purely to make myself look great in their eyes. It's so evil. I say something, saying something, you know, um, a group, you know, will be joking about something, and, and you know, it's still clean and everything, and, but you could come up with something, and you thought, oh, it's so good, I just have to say that. No, even if it's clean, maybe you shouldn't say that. Maybe you shouldn't be silly. Maybe you shouldn't be silly talking. And I'm not talking about like, like not having fun, but just there's things as I grow in God that I find out, okay, I shouldn't do that anymore. And like, it's not illegal, it's not going to hurt anybody, but I've sinned against God. We are separate. We are sanctified in him. So when we find that there's unrighteousness there, let's get it cleaned up. Let's what? let it be washed. And that's the only solution. Let it be washed. Because you can't, you don't have, the, if you had the strength not to do it, you wouldn't have done it. <laughs> you know, uh, you need God. You need him. And it's not, you know, like, like where, like this can happen in a matter of seconds. This repentance, this, oh God. And then you repent and then you go to the throne of, you find that mercy. Then you go to the throne of grace. Then you get grace to help. And then you go on. Like things I used to do, I don't do anymore. But it's only because I went to the throne of grace and I got the help of God only then. And when I stop depending on that, I'm probably start doing them again. And so the, it says to come boldly, but it doesn't say to come arrogantly. Here I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You know, it's, it's, oh God, you know, you have helped me and, and you made me something new. And this thing that I see in me doesn't represent you and it isn't supposed to be here. And so I repent. And this is what it says, that he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, it's so good when you're out doing something and you're sweaty and you smell and then you get in the shower. Like, it's a quick thing. Like, oh, yeah, this feels good, and you smell good, and the dirt is gone. That's what the blood of Jesus does with your sin. But only his blood does it. Nothing else can. 
Now, before we come to the table, I'll just tell you one quick thing. Uh, years ago, there was someone who had um, committed a sin that was going to be known, and, and, and she was in our church, was going to be known to everybody. It was just going to come out. It was going to be known. And the mother said, I don't want you saying one thing to her about it. But the best way for her to get free from what she had done, because what she had done was sin and it was going to be known, was to just get to that throne of grace, find, find that mercy, find that grace to help in time of need, get cleansed, get, get forgiven for that, and go on and have a life. That, but, the, but not saying anything isn't going to solve the problem. Ignoring it saying I'm a sinner saved by grace, and so this is just what I do because <laughs> I still sin, or I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I never sin. That's not going to cleanse you. But there is a powerful cleansing in the blood of Jesus where you don't even have a consciousness of sin. Some things I know I've done I can't remember, like God. Oh, that's great. Sometimes Satan brings things back to me, but then I just say, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> Glory to God. So as you come to this table, because Jesus is your Savior, you know that he, you have um, accepted the sacrifice that he made for you. And you know that. And Brother Roscoe, you can go ahead and come up while I'm still talking, even if you want to go serve um, Brother L.A. and Carol. That'll be good. Um, and we're all going to come to the table. So, like, if you're on this side, you can just come out this way and come to this side. If you're on this side, you can come out this way and come to this side because that's both of those are coming back. But what you are picking up out of the plate is the, the representation of the body of Jesus that was broken for you. And the cup, the blood of Jesus, the representation that was shed for you for the cleansing of your sin. His broken body, his broken body was for your healing. Anything you need healing for. Your broken heart, that hurts. I think a broken heart, I've never had a broken bone. Well, yeah, I did. I broke my toe, but my broken heart hurt much worse than my broken toe ever hurt. Broken heart, any kind of infirmity in your body. When you take that bread, if you, if you choose to, you can be healed in your body. When you take the representation of Jesus' broken body into yourself, you can be healed. When they ate the lamb, when they came out of Egypt and they were sick and weak and they had been slaves and they had been beaten and they'd been mistreated and probably not fed well and they were old and young and all kinds of people, they all came out healed because they took that lamb into themselves. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. You know, when he comes back, he's not coming back in reference to sin because he already dealt with that. And so that's not going to be, thank you, brother, something that he talks about. We're free. You know, the chains that bind you right now have really been broken. 
It's up to you to just shake them off. Glory to God. So we'll pray over both the cup and the bread. God, thank you so much for um, inviting us to this table and what it means. And when we take um, the bread into ourselves, we receive healing and strengthening in our physical bodies, in our mind, in our brain, in our hearts, God, in our soul. When we drink the cup, we do it in remembrance that one time you were on this earth and you were the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When we came into the earth, it was already provided for us. Then we found out about it and we took it to ourselves. And when we take this cup, we're saying, yes, we know this blood has cleansed our sin. In the name of Jesus, amen. Take and eat.